Listener Production. Growing up as a queer person and sort of getting teased, like you learn at quite a young age where you can put your weight in the words and people just sort of saying negative stuff for their own reason. I think I can see that it comes from them. It's not about me. For some reason, whatever I'm wearing or whatever I'm doing has negatively impacted their own sense of self. It's made them feel insecure. Me wearing a dress, if it really upsets you, then I think there's something larger going on within them. Hi, I'm Jess Rowe, and this is the Jess Rowe Big Talk Show, a podcast that skips the small talk and goes big and deep. From love to loss and everything in between, I want to show you a different side of people who seem to have it all together in these raw and honest conversations about the things that matter. Christian Wilkins loves to perform. You might have seen him dazzling on the red carpet, rocking his gender-fluid fashion aesthetic. He's also an actor, dancer, model and TV host. You might have seen him reporting from the Aria's red carpet alongside his famous and fabulous dad, Richard Wilkins. Christian can now add author to his list of accomplishments with his new children's book, Princess Mitchell. Now, I wanted to talk with Christian about how he became so comfortable in his beautiful skin. Christian, it is so wonderful to have you on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much. It's lovely to be here. Welcome. I wanted to start by asking you, now, what are your pronouns? He, him. Thank you, though. I think that's important to to establish, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I think it's great to kind of make space and make sure that everyone sort of feels included. I think that's a really lovely thing. What is so wonderful is your latest venture, this beautiful kids' book called Princess Mitchell. And listeners, I'm holding it in my hands. There's a pussycat on the cover. There's sparkles. Why was this so important for you to do? Um, I always really loved reading from when I was a little kid. And I just felt like there wasn't enough books that really were all about inclusion. I have two little nieces and every Christmas and birthday I buy them books. And typically they are LGBT sort of themed. And... My eldest niece is almost five, and I realized that I was kind of running out of books that I could get her. I thought, why not contribute to that space when it's something that I really do authentically love so much? It's a lovely story that you share. Is Princess Mitchell you? Yeah, definitely. I used to play soccer. I really was distracted by a daisy one time. And I was also bullied as a little kid, and I remember sort of being told that if I wanted to be a man, that I had to do certain things, that I couldn't do other things. And I was always really confused by that because I didn't feel like any less of a man or any less of a person because I wanted to play soccer and also do ballet. And I felt like that was a story that people would connect to. I mean, I'm sorry that you were bullied. Mm, Thank you. What did that look like for you as a little boy? Yeah, I was teased a lot. And, you know, it's also little microaggressions from some adults, which might be from different demographics that don't necessarily understand, but like to be a man, to do this, to not cry. But also kids used to run around and call me gay. I remember one time a little girl was caught up because she called me gay and she was like, I just meant that he was really happy. And the teacher was like, no one's really used it in that way for a while. But, you know, it definitely upset me and it, it kind of made me 
worried about what my place was in this world and how I'd fit in. And, you know, I think that a lot has changed in a very little amount of time, which is fantastic. But still, kind of growing up, even though I'm only 28, I, I felt like I was definitely an outsider. And when you were little, there's a lovely picture in the back of the book of you in this gorgeous pink tutu. <laughs> you loved dressing up, didn't you? I did, you? I did. Yeah, and I just, I always loved really feminine shapes and colours and textures. I just, especially when it comes to fashion, I think that women's fashion is a lot more exciting. And I just never really understood why there was this divide between like, this is what men wear and this is what women wear. And I kind of always like to blur that line. I loved a story I read about you where you wanted to dress as the Wicked Witch for Halloween. Yeah. And how special that felt for you. Yeah, definitely. That was when I was at preschool. So I would have been like four years old. And I just really loved the fact that my parents let me do it. You know, my mum found me green face paint so that I could be the Wicked Witch of the West. And my dad got me a little dress and they kind of just let me dress up and go to preschool however I wanted to. And all the other boys would firemen and policemen and et cetera, et cetera. And I just loved that I was able to express myself how I wanted to be. You mentioned they're your parents. I know that they are such an important part of your life still. And really from the outset, they helped you lean in to your identity, didn't they? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember when I was even younger than four, I would have been three or so, and dad used to live on the Connaught, which overlooks Oxford Street. And, and let's have, say for our listeners who, I mean, I'm sure they're already aware, but your dad is the wonderful Richard Wilkins, oh, Dickie, who yes. I adore. Me too. Oh, he's so fabulous. I mean, he's an entertainment icon in yeah, this country. I agree, I agree. He just called me the other day. He's currently on holidays. He never really takes holidays, but this year he's taken like two, which is a huge thing. And he called me, FaceTime me yesterday, and he's in his little fedora sitting out by a pool. And I was like, you're so cute. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he used to always have Mardi Gras parties. And I was always, you know, until it was bedtime, allowed to kind of stand out and watch everyone and be like, oh my gosh, those women are so beautiful. And he's like, yes, they are. They may be drag queens, but they're still beautiful. And I think that they just always created a space for me to be whoever I wanted to be. And I, I have so much love and respect for them. And as well, your grandmother, she used to watch Will and Grace with you. Yes. Yeah, she did. I never really realized at the time why she was necessarily doing it. But watching it, I kind of, I really resembled Jack a lot. I always loved him. And I see that she was watching it because she wanted to make me feel like I had a spell in this world. And that in itself, I mean, that gives me goosebumps, you saying that. Because all of us want to feel understood. Don't we? And for you as a little boy to already feel that you have a place, even though you're still working things out, but to have those closest to you and those who love you actually reinforcing that. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think that sort of having trouble outside of your family, it's still upsetting, but knowing that you can come home to a safe space is so important. And that's why I always have such a great appreciation for my family and my really close friends because they always just made me feel like I did have a place. And I acknowledge that it's actually still really rare these days. Your mum as well, who was a flight attendant. She was. And so glamorous. Such <laughs> I a glamorous woman. I remember when she used to come into the parent-teacher nights and she'd be in this, there was this one little orange miniskirt that she wore. And I just thought she looked so hot. And I was like, that's my mum. <laughs> 
And um, I read about a conversation that, that you had. It was just before you turned 18 and you were talking about how a very handsome gentleman walked past and your mum sort of commented on him. Yeah, it was the first time that we ever sort of talked about it and she was like, do you think that guy's cute? And I was like, "Mm, he's all right, yeah. And I sort of, I didn't really appreciate it at the time, but even like hours later, I kind of was like, that was the first acknowledgement really. And it was her way of just saying, it's fine, I know, you don't need to say anything. And I, I love that. That is so very special. I remember meeting you many years ago when I was doing the Today Show yeah. and I was l- looking at the dates and I think you must have been about maybe nine or ten. Yeah. And I remember you as being very curious. You were always interested in what was happening. Yeah. And you, and you mentioned earlier your dad was wearing a fedora, but I think you were wearing like a trilby kind of yeah. hat. Yes, I did have one. It was black and pinstriped. Yes. I loved it. <laughs> as a sort of a ten-year-old boy... What did you feel like or what was your sense of self then? I think at 10, especially in a space like that, I mean, I always loved seeing what dad did and I always loved entertainment. I think part of that is it is quite an inclusive space, you know, and to kind of grow up around there was always a space where I felt very free to kind of be who I was because there were fabulous people like yourself and the, the incredible talent coming in who would wear all sorts of things. And it was really an area where I felt like I could just be whoever I wanted to be. And I think that's really where my love of entertainment came from. And going to things with dad, it it was such a pure affection. What about that time between, I suppose, when you were comfy dressing up as the Wicked Witch and when you're sort of younger, you're less aware of what people are thinking. And then going through your teenage years, what was that like for you? Yeah, my teenage years, you know, I was always a glass half full kind of person, but I always had such a deep love of Disney and I used to watch all these films and I kind of felt very confused about how I could have this beautiful Disney wedding, which is always what I wanted, but not necessarily want to marry a princess or be the princess myself. And it kind of troubled me because I felt like I didn't really know who I was then. And it wasn't something that I really liked about myself. I remember reaching out to um, a friend and um, he was sort of one of the first kind of gay friends that I had. And I I was quite young, but he was working at the Today Show. I remember reaching out and being like, it's not something that I like about myself and I don't really know what to do. And through creating that community and that conversation with him, it kind of led me to finding a space and a place where I felt really welcome And now it's honestly my favorite thing about me. It's, you know, describing myself as a queer person is like the first thing out of my mouth. Again, that gives me goosebumps. That's (laughs) such a a beautiful, empowering thing to hear you say and to say that, hey, I'm comfortable in my skin. I'm comfortable with who I am. Yeah, and it's nice to express myself how I want to express myself. You know, I, I remember as a teen, I kind of wanted to wear nail polish and kind of do more stuff with my hair and wear more outrageous things. But I felt like I needed to fit in. And now it's kind of nice to know that I can have long blonde hair and wear dresses if I want to and wear nail polish. And that doesn't make me any less or more of a person than anyone else. And also who wants to fit in? Uh, Right? How boring. It is so boring. We don't want to fit in a box. And, And I think for you, what you do, what is I love about it is... You stand out, but you stand out with joy. You don't do it in an angry way. You do it in a really joyful, 
beautiful way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I think that it's really important to create conversation and, and sort of come into a situation positively if you do want to change people's minds. It's why I don't really love cancel culture. I think that I appreciate why certain people want to cancel certain people, but I think we need to have that conversation. And I think going into the conversation in a positive manner, it creates the opportunity for there to be real change. And let's talk about identity. You say that you had that conversation and then you started to discover more and more about who you are. Would you say, are you non-binary? Are you gender fluid? I don't really know. I mean, I think the whole concept of gender to me does seem a little strange, at least the concept of like stereotypical gender norms. But to be completely honest, it's not really something that I think about all that much, you know, and I appreciate for a lot of people, it is kind of their big bastion and it is something that they do have to concern themselves with. And you know what, power to you. But for me, I'm kind of just like, he, him works. It doesn't feel unnatural. And what does that really mean at the end of the day? You know? Well, I suppose it means identity. And and if we understand who we are, first and foremost, that then helps us, I think, make our way through the world. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I think that for me, more largely, you know, I, I always gravitate to the word queer. It, it's a great word, isn't it? It's a great it? word because I feel like not only does it mean that you're part of the LGBTQI plus community, but it also there's a weirdness to queerness. And I always really loved that. And I liked that there's kind of a strange question mark. I don't mind that kind of hanging over me. What about love? I haven't necessarily been lucky in love. I've never really had a long-term relationship. I think I'm fiercely independent, and sometimes that works against you. But, you know, I'm definitely open to it. I'm definitely a romantic. Well, you want your Disney wedding, don't you? I mean, you have no idea how much time (laughs) I spend thinking about my wedding. Like, I'll call my friends, and I'm like, do I want it to be in the south of France or in Greece? And they're like, meet the person first. I'm like... (laughs) That honestly feels like a later problem. At least I can go into it knowing what I want to wear, where it's going to be, who I'm going to invite. All I know really constantly is that I want Kylie Minogue to serenade me at the end. Now, that would be quite something. You are, I know how obsessed you are with Kylie. I mean, you've named your pussycat after Kylie Minogue, haven't you? Yes, Kylie Meowg is my pussycat. I just love her. She was my first CD that I had as a kid. On a Night Like This was my favorite song. I used to refuse to go to bed until I did a lip sync performance of that and my heart will go on. <laughs> and how old were you I was then? like five. No wonder I never <laughs> needed to come out to my parents. I'm like, oh yeah, we know. Look at the, Oh, he's got the feather boa this time. <laughs> but I love that her songs are joyous. I love that she stands up for the community. I love that she's always kind of been ingrained in the community. And yeah, she's just the best. Plus, she's an Aussie. Oh, she is. So, Kylie, if you're listening, you know you're going to be performing at Christian's wedding. Yes. I mean, we we have to find the groom. We need to find the groom. And there's still flexibility within the date, depending on when I meet the groom. But just know that you need to be there. (laughs) I've even got a set list down. And I bet you've already thought about what you might wear, too. Uh, I do. I think I want to wear either Vivian Westwood or Scaparelli. Oh, yes. Right? Definitely a dress. Oh, definitely a dress. What you've done with fashion, which I think is so exciting, 
is, I mean, to me, fashion is always more than just an outfit. Yeah. You've made a statement very much with what you wear. And I'm thinking about the Logies in 2022, where you wore this beautiful white gown. Yeah. Tell me about the thinking behind selecting that and why you wanted to wear a gown. Honestly, it blew up into much more than it sort of came from. I was really good friends with the designers. They have a label called Nickel and Ford. It was their first time showing at Fashion Week that year. And they showed that gown in this beautiful chartreuse color. And it was worn by a man. And I just, I thought it was stunning. And I think that, you know, the Logies, we might all make fun of it. But realistically, it's one of probably two of our biggest nights in Australia. And I wanted to wear something that I felt really beautiful in. And I just kind of thought about going for this Aphrodite sort of moment. I wanted to get a long, it was a backless dress. So I wanted to get a long row of pearls that would kind of cascade down my back, slightly a la Nicole Kidman in the Chanel number no. five ad, Queen. And yeah, I just, we made it together and I loved it and I thought it was beautiful. And I didn't really think that it would become the thing that it became. And when you say the thing that it became, I mean, there was a horrible amount of sort of hate directed at you. And it made me very upset on your behalf, as it did many other people. How do you process that? Yeah, I mean, I was definitely shocked. I had, without exaggeration, thousands and thousands of tweets and messages, people telling me to OD, people telling me to die, that I looked ridiculous, that I was a devil worshipper because I wore the, actually the shoes that I'm wearing now, which would have sort of a hoof to them, which I thought was a random path to go down, but whatever. They're, um, they're paying attention if yeah. they're noticing that, <laughs> aren't I'm like, they? thank you there, Marcella. And <laughs> I was definitely a bit shocked by that. But to be honest, for the most part, I'm pretty good at blocking that out. I think that if someone that really knew me, if you came out and was like, Christian's actually a dickhead, he's no good, he's rude, he's late to everything, that would really upset me because you actually know me. But some random and often faceless profile on the internet kind of throwing stuff out at you, I think you just need to try and give it as little weight as you can. How do you do that though? I think that is such a grown-up way to think about it. I'm 53 and when I get hate directed at me, I'm pretty good at brushing it off, but it still hurts. And there are still times when I get upset. How have you been able to to not let it affect you in that way? I think, again, growing up as a queer person and sort of getting teased, like you learn at quite a young age where you can put your weight in the words. And people just sort of saying negative stuff for their own reason. I think I can see that it comes from them. It's not about me. For some reason, whatever I'm wearing, whatever I'm doing has negatively impacted their own sense of self. It's made them feel insecure. And I can appreciate that it's it doesn't actually come down to me. Me wearing a dress doesn't change anything. You know, I'm not Marsha P. Johnson. I'm not at Stonewall. I'm not throwing bricks. It's I'm not actually doing that, I wore a dress. And if it really upsets you, then I think there's something larger going on within them. Again, that that's such a grown-up and I think evolved way to think about it. Do you talk to your parents about the hurt or do they have advice for you? Yeah, dad often sees it and gets upset on my behalf. And he's usually the one telling me, he's like, pay no attention to it. I'm like, it's fine, turn on the news. But 
Yeah, it's, I understand being a parent and seeing that sort of level of hate being directed at your child would be very upsetting. Oh, yes. I'm a very gentle person. But yeah. If anyone is unkind <laughs> or awful to my daughters, yeah. I am ready. Yeah. And, and, but what happens is my girls look at me, they go, Mum, can you just let it go? Like, it is so obvious. <laughs> We've moved on. You need to move on. Yeah. Yeah. My dad did do one nice thing. There were a lot of people saying that my parents would be ashamed of me. And dad, on his own accord, just did a little post on Instagram being like, I've seen these suggestions. Just so you know, there's absolutely no truth to it. I'm proud of my son. I love my son. And that's it. And that really meant a lot. He's a beautiful man, your he dad. Is. He's got a big heart. He has a massive heart. And I remember all those years ago when I worked with him and Petey, my husband, who worked with him even during MTV days yeah. and things, he does have a big heart. He's so kind. But the thing that matters to him most, and you know this, is his family. Yeah. He's so proud of all of you and he'd always be talking about his kids whenever I see him. He still does that. It's wonderful. I know. My stepmom was saying, they were at a wedding recently in Spain and my stepmom turned to him at one point in the wedding evening and was like, are you going to talk about anything other than Christian? And he was like, probably not. <laughs> I just moved to LA and he, I guess he had a lot to discuss. But yeah, he's so cute. Every night we watch Pete. And every night he talks to Pete on the news and he wishes him a good night too. When oh, Pete wishes, that's so sweet. And he's like, have fun with Jess. Hope you have a nice dinner, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh my God. He is a darling. I know. I adore him. But hearing you say that about your dad and what he says about you, it's little wonder that you now have this lovely sense of self and who you are. Yeah, they definitely create an environment where I was able to explore who I was. And despite whether or not your child is queer or different, I think that a lot of parents are often like, no, this is what you do. Boys, they go and play the rugby and the girls, you go do netball and great, fine. If that's what you want to do, do it. But I think because I was already operating outside those lines, they kind of really allowed me to explore different avenues, whether it was horse riding or painting or tap dance. And, you know, not all of them was I good at. But they really allowed me to create that space for myself. You are a creative soul. You've written music, you sing, you dance, you act. I've seen you model on the catwalk and you are so good. Oh, thank you. You are. Because I remember you were in a Romance Was Born show, the one I saw you in, and you were wearing, it was actually, I think, a bridal gown. Oh, yeah. And when you do that, how do you feel? Do you become a different character? What goes through your mind? I was always obsessed with like the supermodels. I loved Kate Moss in, well, mainly her Calvin Klein campaign, but also everything that she's done. And I used to always watch Naomi Campbell runway videos. And in my head, that's just what I'm trying to emulate. That show, however, that was the first time I was wearing heels. I went to the dress rehearsal. I'd gone out to lunch, so I'd maybe sampled a little bit of champagne. And they're like, can you wear heels? And I was like, yes, of course I can wear a heel. What do you mean? And then it came to the show day and I put them on and I was like, <laughs> so the whole time at that one, I was just thinking, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall. And I didn't. So that's great. So you hadn't worn heels before that? No. And now look at me. I have like giant stilettos and like these big YSL boots that I, and the last 
show that I did, which was, again, Romance Was Born this year. I wore my big, like, St. Laurent boots that I had with a giant heel that's probably, like, 17 centimeters. Like, How did you walk in that? Now I'm, like, a pro. I'm, like, well, absolutely. Actually, I saw you in that show yeah. as well, and that was a glorious celebration of queerness. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And that's why I always, I mean, I know that you love Romance Was Born as well. It's, I mean, Anna and Luca geniuses. But I love that they really do celebrate that queerness, that weirdness. It's so ingrained into the DNA of the brand. There's so much that you have already achieved and you're still so young. Acting, is that another thing that you'd really like to get your teeth into? Yeah, I mean, acting was always growing up what I was trying to go towards. And I think I sort of fell into presenting because that's what dad did. And I I kind of realized that I, I'm pretty okay at it. You know, I think I grew up watching someone that I would consider the best in this country. And I guess I sort of learned things through osmosis and little tips and tricks. Like when you're hosting a gig, you know, it's always better to walk off with an applause. Think of something to, whether it's the waiters, let's applause them for their amazing food, blah, blah, blah. It's you know, little things that you might not think of that really sort of help. But acting is, yeah, that's always been where my heart is. I've done multiple classes and courses over the years in New York and LA and Sydney and Melbourne. And I, you know, I got my first gig just halfway through COVID. And then I just figured this year, I've always wanted to move to LA. And if not now, then when? Yes. And we've got to grab these opportunities, don't we? You moved to LA. Can you just explain for our listeners, you're wearing this fabulous hat, Christian. (laughs) Yes, I'm wearing my rent-free hat from Fred Siegel. The Daily Mail, this might shock no one, have been a little mean sometimes, often mentioning in every story, regardless of what I'm doing, about how there's a strike on in Hollywood, which for reference is affecting pretty much the whole city and how I moved there a week before the strike. And the insinuation is that basically all my hopes and dreams of acting are basically dashed because of the strike, and which is ridiculous. And I saw this other, this third article of that week written about me, and I walked into Fred Siegel mostly to kill time, and I saw this rent-free hat, and I was like, that feels very fitting. So I bought it. This is another thing I love about you. It's the up yours, really, but you do it with a sense of humor. Totally. Yeah, and I think you need to go into life laughing. If you don't laugh, you cry, you know? And also, it's better to have a laugh. Of course it is. I'm a huge believer in the power of laughter and owning that laughter as a way of really, you know, shoving it up your critics, basically, and the people who have a go, like when you wore that, Beautiful Logie's gown. The next time you appeared on a red carpet, what did you wear? <laughs> I wore a black gown instead. Yeah, because I just thought, stuff it. Whatever. Yeah. If you're going to have an issue, then have an issue with this too. I don't have an issue and I look fabulous. Yeah. Just before we go, there would be people listening, parents, who might be thinking about their kids and I'm worried, thinking, oh, I want them to fit in or how do I have a conversation with them? I mean, of course, you've got your wonderful kids book, Princess Mitchell, which I think is a lovely starting point. But what advice would you give them? I think just love your kids. And if they want to do something, let them do it. And at the end of the day, try as hard as you might. At some point, kids will be a little hurt or be a little bullied. And 
there's probably not much you can do about it. But what you can do afterwards is be there for them and listen to them and create an environment where they feel safe and happy. Such beautiful advice. Again, I think listening to your story of feeling comfortable in your skin, there are also people who are struggling with that and thinking, who am I? Where do I fit in? What advice would you have? I used to have a podcast and we recorded two doors down and our saying on the podcast was, who cares if you've got a hunchback? Throw a little glitter on it. Go dancing. I just love that ethos is that, you know, sometimes life can be hard, but try and embrace the joy and be who you want to be. Throw some glitter on and just enjoy life. Glitter solves all sorts of things. It really does. (laughs) (laughs) Christian, I have loved talking with you. I adore your book and I cannot wait to see what you do next. I have little doubt that it is going to be simply fabulous like you. Oh, thank you so much, Jess. It was so lovely talking to you. Isn't Christian simply divine? Oh, I loved chatting with him. And it gave me goosebumps when he was talking about feeling comfortable in his skin. And what a wonderful world our kids are going to inherit to have people like Christian as role models about what embracing your true self is all about. And as you would have heard, Christian's wonderful book, Princess Mitchell, it's available now and it is a wonderful resource for parents, educators and caregivers to help young kids understand the importance of diversity and embracing your identity. For more big conversations like this, subscribe and follow the Jess Rope Big Talk Show podcast. It means you will stay up to date with all of my special guests. And if there's someone you know who you think will enjoy this conversation, go on, share it with them. It is so easy. You just need to tap the three dots on the top of your phone on your screen and you pass it on. Share the love around. And if you enjoyed this chat with Christian, I reckon you're going to love my episode with Denny Todorovic. So I identify most as gender non-conforming, meaning I don't conform to any kind of gender stereotype. Non-binary people also exist in the trans umbrella, which was something I had to really learn because I really proudly identify as a trans person now. So transgender, by definition, simply means that you don't identify as the sex that was assigned to you at birth. So underneath, you know, this beautiful spectrum, when people say, why do you need all those letters in the acronym? Like, this is why. The Jess Rowe Big Talk Show is hosted by me, Jess Rowe. Executive producer, Nick McClure. She's a wonderful leopard lady. Audio imager, Nat Marshall. Supervising producer, Sam Kavanagh. Until next time, remember to live big. Life is just too crazy and glorious to waste time on the stuff that doesn't matter. Listener.